Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian, joined as always by Jacob Rude. Uh, we almost didn't do the podcast today. Not for any reasons having to do with technical difficulties, which there, there were right before we started recording. It's strange that you had no internet problems when you lived in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, but as soon as you move into the city... <laughs> It's like all of these technical problems. Uh, but no, that's not the reason why. Your Cincinnati Reds beat the Dodgers while they were a game back of the San Francisco Giants. Like, had we beaten the Reds, I believe we, we would have been either tied for first place in the NL West or a half game back. And then, you know, the Reds, who have been surprisingly good, above average all season uh beat the dodgers dodgers beat them uh i believe in their next game but that next game two games that game hurt and uh i texted you right after that win as soon as the <laughs> final score went up i told you we're not podcasting but here we are because i am i am nothing but a forgiving friend also i mean the dodgers won the series so, <laughs> uh it was not a good sports weekend for me in between uh the reds uh who i have just given up on they did this really cool comeback got into the wild card and then we're like actually we're not interested in playoffs um the man city lost the galaxy lost iu football lost it has been a dreadful weekend for sports for me so if i let that determine my mood i would have been radio silent for the entire weekend well the good news for you is that lakers basketball is a little over a week away from returning and uh if we are to believe the hype around this roster at least the hype that's generated by uh lakers fans it seems you know the national media at large is low on this roster and their age and uh the three stars it's built around specifically russell westbrook like i think everybody's pretty fine with lebron james anthony davis the jury's out on russell westbrook um but i'm i'm excited and as we prepare for the season to start we here at silver screen and roll are going to do player preview podcasts and today we thought it'd be a good idea to talk about kendrick nunn um a player that they use their mini tax level uh mid-level exception on took me by surprise a bit i thought there were a few other options out there that they could have have used the money on but it seems this came to be because the money for kendrick nunn i'm assuming i don't you know have any insider information was not what he expected it to be and if you're a player in kendrick nunn's position i think uh if the lakers are offering you a comparable contract and an opportunity to be a spark plug off of the bench you take that opportunity and he clearly did now how much he can impact this team and and where he can help is going to be the topic of our discussion today 
And I think that discussion has to start with the offensive end because defensively, I, I don't have a ton of glowing things to say about him. No, certainly not. Uh, I mean, to your point, uh, he said he turned down more money to Mm -hmm. to the Lakers. Now they didn't, he didn't say how much, as you said, it could have simply maybe been a comparable contract uh, worth a little bit less. And it made more sense for him to come to the Lakers versus maybe another team. Um, I, I just thought it was interesting that he, took less money to come to the Lakers, but he's going to have an important role on this team. I think I wrote uh, at silver screen and roll. We're going to have our season previews. I think starting on Monday, um, they will start rolling out. And I wrote about Kendrick Nunn uh, for mine. I was surprised at how good he is offensively, how efficient he is Mm -hmm. offensively. Uh, He's a legitimate three level scorer and good at all three levels. And maybe, I mean, if I'm like one single spot that surprised me the most is uh, based on cleaning the glass. He was in the 89th percentile at shooting around the rim last season. Right. And he, he was also in the 90th percentile and like effective field goal percentage, which is, you know, if you're the Lakers really good, he's an efficient scorer. Uh, and if I, I don't want to keep going back to this Phoenix series. I really, really don't. But it's the most recent Lakers basketball we have. And I think the taste of that series is, is still in a lot of Lakers fans mouths. So if you're, if you look back at that Phoenix series and the way the season ended for the Lakers in general, there was just this feeling of God, if, if we just had somebody on the team that could create their own shot and get themselves going. Cause there was nobody like that. Like I think by the end of that sun series, Frank Vogel was turning to Ben McLemore uh, to with the hope that he can knock some three pointers and and close the deficit quickly. Ben Macklemore is not that guy. Uh, he's not that guy, pal. You're not that guy, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Kendrick Nunn very well could be. Uh, in addition to being in the 89th percentile in shots at the rim, he shot it very well from three. 39 percent last season, 36 percent the season before, uh, and 41 percent on non corner three pointers. It's you know, impressive stuff. I am, I, I think it will be important to see the types of lineups he plays with, the, the players he plays with. But in general, if he's on the floor, you want him, you know, uh, creating shots for himself and, and, you know, running as many actions as you can to, to get him open for a shot or giving him an open lane to the basket. Yeah, so to the point on his effective field goal percentage, uh, it was 50, I lost it, 57.8% last season. So I looked on basketball reference, I guess stat head now. So of players with at least 650 field goal attempts last season, he had 658. He was 15th in effective field goal percentage across the whole league. And if you factor out the centers, because... I mean, all their shots are around the rim. Mm-hmm. They typically just naturally have a higher one. He was 10th. So, create like, he was just ahead of LeBron and just behind Giannis. To give you a sense of, like, in terms of efficiency, uh, where he was at. So, it's you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how they use him. Uh, he had a lot of 
pick and roll possessions last season. It was uh, on synergy. He had 208 pick and roll possessions and 208 spot up possessions. So he wasn't great at them. He was 47th percentile, which is considered average. Uh, he was in the 60, 60s last season. I don't think he's going to run a whole lot of pick and roll because I think LeBron and one of LeBron and Russ is pretty much always going to be on the floor and they're going to have the ball. Um, but the uh, spot up, like I said, was his other most common one. He was in the 88th percentile there. So, and that is obviously and certainly a place where uh, he will a, a type of possession that he will see over and over again this season. You mentioned not wanting to go back to that Phoenix series. I mean, I think you almost have to because I think a lot of what the Lakers did this offseason is shaped around that series and how they went out. And I think it's why they were comfortable shipping out a whole bunch of um, the role players because nobody really stepped up. And I think it kind of shaped them bringing in guys like Kendrick Nunn or Wayne Ellington or uh, wing defenders like Ariza, even if he, I think he's a little past his prime, Bazemore. Um, I think it shaped how this team was created this offseason based mm-hmm. on how terribly they went out last last season. Most definitely. And, you know, I for all of the reasons you mentioned, the, the three-level scoring, the three-point shooting, which, you know, when it, when it comes to backup-level guards, it is hard to find somebody who is a three-level scorer and also a really good three-point shooter. The Lakers thought they had one of those few players in Dennis Schroeder last season, but his shooting didn't translate from Oklahoma City to Los Angeles. Uh, you know, you can insert any city to Los Angeles when it comes to translating shooting and uh, you have the same result. Hopefully that's not the case with Kendrick Dunn. Uh, I, I don't think it will be. The problems... I have with none offensively don't are, are pale in comparison to the problems I have defensively, but there are problems that I think are worth noting offensively starting with the fact that as good of a shooter as he is, he can be a little streaky and those streaks have caused him to lose his spot, or I should say caused him to lose his spot in the heats rotation at various points of the 2019-20 and 2020-21 season. Um, I think a lot of those streaky moments can be attributed to the fact that he tested positive for COVID and had a run-in with testing protocols, like, you know, similarly to Dennis Schroeder last season. Schroeder went into the COVID protocols and, you know, wasn't able to look the same or, or be nearly as efficient as he was before that happened. The problem with that, though, I, I think that's to be expected from a coaching standpoint and from like a fan standpoint. If you're coming back from COVID protocols, there is an adjustment period when it comes to your shooting and, and getting your rhythm back. The reason he lost his spot in the rotation was because if, if, if his shot wasn't falling, he wasn't doing much of anything else. And if you're the Lakers... I think you can live with that. Uh, you can live with Kendrick Nunn maybe losing his spot in the rotation because you have Taylor Horton Tucker and Rondo 
backing him up, uh, if you will. But it's definitely concerning. If you're spending the mini taxpayer MLE on a player, you want him to be a little more than just a three-level scorer and, and a shooter. And I think he showed signs of becoming that player towards the end of last season. And honestly, I think you can make the case that he was the Heat's best guard last season. Uh, not including Jimmy Butler. I'm not saying he's Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is technically a forward. So that's not a hot take. I'm not, I'm not going there. Uh, but in order for him to really be valuable for the Lakers, and I think this is my take, if you will, in order for him to even keep his spot in the rotation, I really do think he needs to be more than just a scorer offensively and you know, obviously defensively, he needs to be a lot better. So there's two things kind of to build off of that. One, I mean, it's simplified a bit, but Miami was comfortable letting him go for a reason. Now, ultimately, they br- it was largely because they brought in Kyle Lowry and he was, uh, none was kind of a cap casualty. Um, but that they were willing to let him go at all. I mean, there was a reason basically. Now Mm. that being said, he's still really good, but not to completely again, spoil my preview, but it was kind of centered around the idea that like the Lakers really only had one way to bring in a non minimum player externally to the team with the taxpayer MLE and none's the guy they picked. Mm-hmm. So he he does have like some pressure to and some expectations that he'll need to meet because this is a guy the Lakers tabbed is worth spending their one avenue or worth using their one avenue to pay more than the minimum on somebody. Uh, so I, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not I'm not entirely sure what his role will be. I think so kind of switching subjects a little bit rich paul had the or there was a report about rich paul saying lebron and ad were going to play in the four and the five i think if ad is playing the five and lebron the floor the four there might be a decent argument to start kendrick nunn mm-hmm. with ba- with baysmore mainly maybe which could be interesting at worst though i think he's probably the first guard off the bench in your sixth man type so in on a title contender, that's really valuable. So he certainly is going to have some expectations this season that and the Lakers are going to need him and expect him to contribute at a pretty high level. Yeah, I think the Lakers have two sixth man quality guards on their bench in Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn. And I think the best thing about it is that their games don't really clash. Like if I'm looking at the Lakers roster, I think Taylor Horton Tucker has more upside, not just because of his age, but upside as a playmaker and a defender and just, uh, you know, things that on a star studded team make him an easier player to plug and play. Now, when said star studded team features the likes of LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, who reward 
players that have no problem shooting the ball like Kendrick Nunn. There's an argument to be made there, and that's why the lineups he plays with are, are going to be so important. It's also why the prospect of him starting alongside Russ, LeBron, and AD is so tempting. If LeBron and AD do play the four and five, I think just from a pure talent standpoint, it probably makes more sense to play a Westbrook Nunn backcourt than it would be to, you know, slide somebody like Trevor Reza or Carmelo Anthony at the three. Um, but the only the only reason I wouldn't do that is his defense. And to say we can we can talk about that end of the floor when we get back from the break. So we talked about Kendrick Nunn as a three-level scorer and all the good things he does offensively. Uh, and I'm I'm fairly optimistic that outside of scoring, he will be a good enough playmaker and and uh you know just show a that he's capable of doing other things to stay on the floor when his shot isn't falling. I think that will come naturally, whether it's because you know he's playing under Rondo or just another year in the league because he's only been in the league for two years. The defensive end of the floor, there was (laughs) there was a more concerted effort on his end last season. He was more engaged. The problem is his engagement, his excitement to play that into the floor and get better did not translate to anything good i'm going to fire off a stat here among players that logged at least a thousand minutes for the heat last season none had the lowest defensive raptor on the team at negative 1.3 and the heat were also 2.9 points worse on the defensive end per 100 possessions when none was on the floor last season not great and certainly a far cry from what the Lakers enjoyed off of the bench last season with Alex Caruso, two very different players and, and honestly, polar opposites. I'm curious to see how much that matters. And I think the answer to that question will be dependent on who he plays with, but regardless of who he plays with, like, even if you surround him with, Bays and THT or you know Bays and Trevor Ariza guys that can theoretically pick up the slack he needs to be better on that end yeah defensive the defensive numbers aren't great on him uh he had the worst defensive rating of the rotation players 111.6 like that would be the argument against starting him as we were talking about is that a Kendrick Nunn, Russell Westbrook backcourt defensively is oof. <laughs> um, the, it, he's certainly, it's going to be interesting for, for, like you said, I mean, Frank Vogel's a really good defensive coach, but I don't know. The Lakers are like, the Lakers front office like saw what he did without LeBron and AD last year. And we're like, wow, we really don't need to give him any defensive players at all. And he'll make it work. So they, uh, they, that was apparently their strategy this season uh, or this off season. Yeah. It depends on, 
on who he plays with. Um, yeah, I, he's, I just don't really expect a lot from that end, honestly. Like, none of the defensive metrics look good. The only one that looked remotely decent was ESPN's defensive real plus minus actually ranked him as the 25th best shooting guard defensively. But in reality, looking at uh, individual defensive stats, like it's a slippery slope. They don't really like measuring things in a vacuum doesn't really give you a good picture. And as you said, he showed effort, but effort didn't really translate to results. So He's going to need to play maybe, I mean, maybe there is an argument to play him with Russ. And if that effort level is high, then you just kind of funnel him towards AD and LeBron who Mm. are two of the best help side defenders in the league. And maybe that's the argument for playing him. And if there's, if Bazemore's out there, he'll be able to take the best of the wing players. I don't know. I, it's going there's going to have to be some sacrifice on the defensive end no matter who you put out there because the other shooting guard options are probably monk or ellington unless you're going to start ariza at the three which i don't know would go any better um so you're going to have to sacrifice something defensively which kind of not to belabor the point but that again puts a lot of um emphasis on him producing offensively because He's going to struggle defensively, but the Lakers have a lot of guys who are going to struggle defensively who could be good offensively. So if he's not producing, then there's other options out there. So it'll be, it'll certainly be interesting. I think that the THT none pairing could make sense in a lot of ways. Like Mm -hmm. you said, they, they kind of complement each other offensively. I guess you could say they complement each other defensively and that THT is good. So there might be a fair amount of that. I think in general, there might be a lot of three guard lineups, Absolutely. maybe a lot of, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of THT none and monk monk did that a lot in Charlotte last season. So it'll be interesting to see how they balance that. But yeah, if in terms of like his individual defense, Kendrick Nunn is not a good defender, but I mean, the, the heat were successful without him being a good defender. So it's not certainly something that will keep the Lakers from being, successful but it's something that is going to be monitored and something he's going to have to improve at at some level it's funny when you mentioned malik monk playing in three guard lineups uh when one of those guards presumably was Lamelo ball who might as well be a wing <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that that's honestly what made those three guard lineups work is that Lamelo <laughs> was typically the small forward and rebounded well but i mean if if you're not to compare the two, but like physically, if you're playing next to THT, he would presumably be the the small forward there. But yeah, those three guard lineups are typically <laughs> Lamelo, Monk, and one of Rozier or Devonte Graham. But yeah, Ma- Malik was definitely the shooting guard in those lineups, even if he was playing with two other guards. I think they're gonna work. I think the the three guard lineups are gonna work. I think they have the personnel for it, starting with that, or at least off the bench. With their starters too, um, that's why I would not be mad at a Russ Bay's Nunn backcourt, even though two of those guys are six three. I don't know what Kendrick Nunn's wingspan is. I couldn't find it online. Like I saw a one off 
piece of information that he had a six seven wingspan, but I don't know how accurate that is. Um, so, and and that's just the other thing with him is like he's probably a generous six three. He's probably closer to six two. Yeah, he's a small guy anyway, and uh, you know it's very rare you're that size and a and a great defender. So, just a lot of things he could improve on that I don't see him improving on right away, which again, might not even be a problem. We've seen Frank hide guys on the defensive end pretty successfully uh, and even made them serviceable defenders. And that's, I think if you're a Lakers fan, if you're worried about Kendrick Nunn's defense or where he fits on the roster, that's a place where you can go, you know, Frank's got this. But if he yeah. doesn't, in the event that he doesn't, uh, I think there is a very easy path to none losing his spot in the rotation, which, you know, for me, gives me trade machine bait for the trade deadline. <laughs> it's a little early for that talk. I'm, I'm willing to see the guy out and see what he does. I'm just saying, uh, if things go like they could go, that is salary ballast for the trade deadline. I was going to say, when does the Lakers season officially start? October <laughs> uh, 16th, I think. Um, I would say by Halloween, you will have placed him. <laughs> so yeah, by Halloween, you'll have placed him into at least a dozen trades and put maybe half of those in the slack. Hey, and um, the Lakers have a trade exception. Let's not forget that. Yeah, they can't. <laughs> it's a very small one, but it is one. <laughs> Um, the, the other thing worth noting, kind of getting back to maybe a little more positive outlook, just in general, when you're building a title contender, like the Lakers had to with so many, um, restrictions, cap restrictions and whatnot, you need guys to outperform their contract. Mm -hmm. And Kendrick Nunn is going to be one of those key guys to target in that regard. We mentioned he came here to discount. For all his, for everything that held him back defensively, uh, he's like we said at the beginning. He's still a crazy offensive talented player, offensively talented player. Uh, he's efficient. He can score at all three levels. He can score at a high. Like he was a thirty eight percent three point shooter last season. Um, the degree to which his efficiency just jumped across the board. He went from forty three to forty eight percent at field goals, thirty five to thirty eight on threes. 85 to 93 on free throws. I mean, he'll be in there at the end of the game to make free throws. Um, he His efficiency jumped across the board last season. So even if there is some, like, issues defensively, you'll be able to, I think, put him in enough lineups to hide that. Right. Uh, and even if not, like, he's such a good scorer off the bench that you can get away with that against second units more. And so I think he'll see big minutes and ideally he's someone, like I said, can outperform his contract. Cause you're going to need multiple guys to do that. None's one of them. I could see Malik Monk being one of them. Um, you need those types of guys to be able to compete for a title uh, when you had to build a team like the Lakers had to this off season. Last thing I have for you before we get out of here uh, regarding none, at least. Kendrick Dunn played 29 minutes per game for the Heat last season, averaged 
14.6 points per game on 48.5% uh, shooting from the field, 38.1% shooting from three. Uh, with those stats, what are you taking the over and under on? It'll be under minutes, certainly. Not mm-hmm. He's not going to play 30 minutes a game. Um, I think... Mm, I think it actually, I don't know. That's tricky. I was going to say uh, maybe a little bit over on three point shooting. Cause I imagine it's going to be a lot of spot up threes, um, but it'd be hard to improve from 38.1%. That's a, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I, w- I was debating almost saying push, which is a cop out <laughs> answer. Uh, I think the field goal percentage might go down a bit. Cause I don't know how many, actually, I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know how many t- times he's going to have the ball. Like, to get to the rim and stuff like that, uh, 48% again is really good. I'd probably say down, maybe just a tick, 14.6 points. So that'll go down as well, just because he's not going to have as many shots to do that, whatnot. But I mean, you can still be a really efficient player, even going just under 48 and 38 from the field. Although, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he's pretty close to 40% from three because he was, I mean, he's been a really good spot up three point shooter in his career. And that's going to be – he's going to get a lot of those looks uh, this season. I'm just trying to find – yeah, he was 92nd percentile in unguarded catch-and-shoots last year, and he's going to have a lot of unguarded catch-and-shoots this year. So I would take the over on the 38.1% three-point shooting, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, to your point, his per 100 possessions or like per 36 minutes will look pretty similar – to what they did last season by the end of this season. Like there will be some regression probably, but it'll still hover around those numbers, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And if, if, you know, that ends up being the case of, yeah, that's, that's somebody who's outplaying their contract and, you know, somebody who will likely have a pretty big role on the team come playoff time. So we'll see what he does. I have my reservations. Uh, I'm probably lower on him than most people, but it's the Lakers and, uh, you know, I'm rooting for everybody on the team to succeed. So that's my official stance. Is there any parting thoughts you have before we head out of here? Yeah. I mean, I was a little lower on him until I looked at him statistically. I was surprised by how good he was. Um, I don't know. I think he'll have a pretty big role in this team and We'll see. He'll have the opportunities, but there's areas he's going to need to improve. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I admittedly I wasn't crazy about the signing, but the more I've looked into the numbers, the more optimistic I've gotten about it. But that's just typically what I do. I, yeah. I, I I'm always <laughs> optimistic, and uh, yeah, the more I look into stuff, and the more I talk myself into it, the more optimistic I get. So I'll be fully on board probably by the time uh, the season starts. Yeah, I have a DeAndre Sword and DeAndre DeAndre Sword and good lord. I need to go to bed. Uh, I have a DeAndre <laughs> Jordan story coming out uh, that will be out actually by the time you listen to this. And yeah, that was another one of those instances where I was like, keep DeAndre Jordan away from the Lakers. And after writing the story and sitting down, watching the tape, doing the numbers, I'm like, you know what? It's fine for the veterans minimum. <laughs> it'll be okay. Uh, Jacob, you will you will be making a trip to 
California, sunny Los Angeles, California. So if you have any recommendations for my friend here, he already has a few. He has a whole list. Um, but if you have recommendations for him, at him, let him know where he should stop. We are going to eat a lot of delicious food, my friend. I'm very excited. Yeah, we're not going to be here next week because I'm going, <laughs> even though we will probably be together, I am not doing a podcast from a hotel room next week. So, uh, but yeah, I am excited. My my list is titled Indiana Man Experience of Culture. So I'm very excited. I will be there on Tuesday evening and be there for about a week. So I will be MIA from most places, but I will be in LA and we'll be hanging out in the hanging out soon. Yeah, fun stuff. Uh we'll see you guys in a I mean this week is also my birthday weekend, so I do not plan on podcasting this week. Uh you can you can quote me on that. Harrison, Anthony. <laughs> uh, so that'll uh, that'll do it for us until uh, the following week. So take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.